Okay. You know, um, just want to say one more thing. Is it Donna? Is that how you pronounce it? Or Donna? She was just sharing with me in her older years, and the same with my husband and his eyes were moving up in her older years, is that you start to find that you just really don't have an interest in being connected so much anymore. And so my husband and I haven't had television for I don't even know how many years, and we don't miss it. We just don't care. Um, you know, and I try to stay off Facebook because it becomes you become obsessed. And um, and then we were just talking about how the less of that kind of stuff you have in your life, the more you actually hear from God. And like my husband and I, it's funny because I'm a worship leader, so people always think that I have music going all the time. I never listen to music, except if I am purposing to like learn new songs or whatever. But otherwise, I don't listen to music in the car. We don't even listen to music in our home anymore because we just have gotten to this point in our lives where we just like to be quiet and, and able to hear God if he wants to speak to us. And it's so peaceful. It's just so nice. You know, so I encourage you, turn down the noise. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's a cultural thing too, isn't it? People who aren't saved, they like a lot of noise. And why do they lack a lot of noise? Yeah, because they don't want to hear from God. They're afraid to hear from him. So the more noise they can keep going the less they have to consider their, you know, their, their death and their eternity and their, I mean, like, because then they don't have to think about it. And we've seen a lot of people like that, especially as we travel out into other places where people are just kind of lost and they move places to try to find themselves. And, you know, we see a lot of people like that and they just have to crank music 24-7 or have the TV on all the time. And it's just a masking. It's a masking so that they don't hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's a masking so that they don't hear the enemy's voice shouting guilt at them. But I think more than not with unsaved people, it's that they don't want to hear the voice of God in their lives. They're terrified of it. Yeah, they don't want to hear it. So turn down the noise and learn to start hearing God. It's pretty. It's a really pretty, nice sound. Quiet and peaceful. Amen. So we are going to redirect now. Um, this message that I just gave was originally supposed to be in the morning, but it's all good. We're on a flex schedule. Thank you, Teresa. I really love that, honestly. I, I, have, I have taught at retreats where they put me on a time card, literally, and that's a really hard thing to do. Like, we're going to hold up a card and let you know when you have 15 minutes. We're going to hold up a card and let and I'm like, really? Wow. I don't like that. But, you know, that's all right. And so... Um, I appreciate her willingness to be flexible because it does allow for the Holy Spirit to come and be in our midst more and move and shift and change things. And so thank you for that. And thank you all for your input because I love input, you know, because so many times I can't think of everything and then you bring something up and it perfectly slides alongside what we're talking about. And that's how it should be. So it's awesome. Um, So now we're going to start looking at the other side of this. This morning we were looking at who I am not, right? So what are they? I am no longer what? A slave of sin, I am no longer under the law, and I am not of this world, okay? And in those three things, you will find freedom if you believe that and you begin to work yourself away from those things in your life, okay? Now, this afternoon, we're going to look at who I am versus who I am not, okay? And this is the counterbalance to that. This is the... um, this is the, like, the put on and put off. I was having this conversation earlier about how 
The Bible speaks about how we put off the old man and we put on the new. And literally, the definition, those words right there that he uses, put on and put off in Colossians, they literally are the same words that you would use for taking off clothes and putting on new clothes. So it's a very neat visual kind of a picture. That God says, undress, take that old stuff off, take that world's culture off, take that sin off, take that law off, and put on Christ. Put on me. Put on who you are in me. So who am I? Who am I that the Lord of all the earth... That's it. <laughs> Came into my head. So, sorry. Um, okay, so there's really some very specific scriptures that tell us who we are. So let's go to John one twelve. Of course, you could probably tell me who we are. Some of you know, most of you probably know very well who we are. But we always like to go to the verses. Mm-hmm. All right, so John one twelve. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Amen? So we are, first and foremost, children of God. I am a child of God. Now, this is a pretty crazy concept, okay? So again, we have to kind of take it and grow it outside of our finite um, way of thinking because we want to right away relate this to our, our, you know, humanity, our family here on earth type of a thing, okay? But this is a very... It's very different, okay, that I'm a child of God. Because what God does is he adopts us, okay? He adopts us. We were orphans. Before we were saved, we were orphans. Now, what is an orphan? Hmm? An orphan has no parents, okay? Now, how many of you had parents? Oh, gosh, I guess you wouldn't be here if you didn't have parents. <laughs> it, would be, yeah, it would be impossible for you to be here if you didn't have parents, okay? But your parents were, and, and this might sound kind of mean, but I don't mean it to be mean. It's just true. Your parents were simply the vessel by which God brought you into the world, okay? But then as we move forward... We are an orphan without our true parent. And until we find our true parent, we all remain orphans. And so it's a concept that's hard for us to grasp because we want to relate everything to the family. And we have to look at it from a different perspective. So I am born, my parents birthed me, but then I'm immediately lost in my sin. I'm immediately a slave of sin. I'm immediately lost in this world, and I come under the law because I haven't been saved yet. You see what I mean? And then God begins to call to me and to draw me because he wants to bring me into my rightful family, the family that I was created to be a part of, that every human was. You know, you have to remember, God loves everybody, everybody. He loves the terrorist as much as he loves the pastor. 
He loves everybody, the murderer, as much as he loves the righteous. I mean, God loves everybody. He created everybody, and his heart's desire is that all of them would hear the call and come into his family. He doesn't want that any should perish, no, not one. Right? That's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever, the whosoever's, we are the whosoever's. It's kind of a cool thing. It's like a band. There is a band. I'm sure there is. But we are the whosoever's. So, um, you know, so we're the whosoever's. Whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And everybody has the opportunity to be a whosoever. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like trying out for the voice or something. We're all whosoever's. So, okay, so, so, so track me for a while. Let me humor me, okay? So we're born with our family, okay? And then we all are orphans, okay? And God doesn't see us as, this is my mom and dad, and he sees people, people that he loves, people that he created, people that are lost, people that are being drawn, people that are found. You see what I mean? So God doesn't, God's not a respecter of man. So God doesn't see those relationships in the same way that we see those relationships. God just sees people that he created and loves and he wants to come and be adopted into his family. Okay. So we're going along in life, we're orphans. And then we begin to hear this call, this draw of the Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? Because it says that the Holy Spirit was sent into the world to draw all men to him, to convict all people and draw them to God. So the Holy Spirit begins to draw in your life. And you do one of two things. You either begin to respond to the drawing or you go, mm-mm. And you turn up the music because you don't want to hear the drawing of the Holy Spirit. And <clears throat> then one day, you go, oh, look, there's my real family. And there's my, my real father. Do you see what I mean? How many of you had a moment when you got saved where all of a sudden it made sense? Like you went, this is my family. Amen? Amen. Do you remember that day, that moment yeah. when your heart leapt? And you realize that you finally belonged somewhere? That was that point of your salvation. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And that's the moment. That's the moment when you had a transaction with God, and you know what he did in that moment? He adopted you. He adopted you. And then it goes on in Romans. Let's go over there. Romans 11. Because not only did he adopt you, Mm-hmm. Let's see, where are we? Um, So Romans, he talks about the grafting in, okay? So it says, you will say then, branches, Romans 19, 11, 19, were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of their unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. So do not be haughty, but fear. Or be reverent over the fact that God has grafted you in. Not only has he adopted you, but he's grafted you in. Now, does anybody know about grafting in, like, trees and plants? I bet Teresa knows a little bit about it. Yeah? I don't know anything about it, really. You take a root from one, you cut it in, and you literally 
stick it in there, uh -huh. the stem of the other one into the plant, mm -hmm. and then the roots from the one that you stick in there will grow as that live branch mm -hmm. feeds that little one, and then the roots start going in, and then the two melt together. Cool. So we've been grafted in. So we've been stuck in, and now the root system begins and begins to feed us. God begins to feed us, the Holy Spirit. And then at one point, we become one, right? And it just is a process where we are part of this family. Now, the thing I love about adoption as opposed to actual birth, okay? Now, actual birth, I think uh, somebody over here said, yeah, if you could call them parents. Okay, how many of you had not-so-great parents? You know, there's people that didn't. I, my, my mom was tremendous. My dad, not so much. Um, you know, but again, they're not my parents. Like, they, they didn't choose me. They had me. It wasn't any choice of their own other than the choice that they made that got my mom pregnant. But they didn't choose me. You know, of course, now what they're trying to do is, like, you can have these children that you pre-program before you get pregnant. It's really weird. That's really acting like God. But anyhow, so, so adoption, on the other hand, is what? It's choosing, isn't it? When you go to adopt a child, how many of you have adopted children? When you went to adopt that child, you went through a process, didn't you? You looked at situations and children. They interviewed you to see what kind of people. I mean, like, it's a whole different idea, isn't it? And really, it's a beautiful idea. Because as an adopted child, you've been chosen. And that is really special. Because you were an orphan. And somebody came along and said, I choose you. And that's what God did with us. We were all orphans. And God came along and he said, I chose you. I choose you. I mean, how beautiful is that? I choose you. And it's like, why? Did he choose you because you're special? No. Did he choose you because you're pretty? No. Did he choose you because you're successful? Did he choose you because you do lots of really good works for him? No. Why did God choose you? Love. God is love. God loves you. Not only, he adores you. He created you, and he adores you. And he says, I choose you. I want you to be in my family. I want to be your daddy. I want you to be part of my family and of this kingdom. How awesome is that? Not because of anything we've done, but because of who he is. Because of who he is. And there is where you're going to find your value. We, find our val we try to find our value in so many things, don't we? You know, my value in what I do. My value in what people say about me. My value in what people think about me. And yet God says, no. You are valuable to me just because. Just because. And... I know that I want to move closer to actually believing that, embracing that, and living in that place. Because that is a place of real, real, real freedom. You know, I'm getting a little closer every year. Teresa, you getting a little closer every year? A little bit, you know? But then, all of a sudden, those voices in our head go, oh, no, that's a lie. You're, you're not this and you're not that. And I go, oh. And then God goes, no, 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 no. I chose you and I love you just because. And you go, oh, I have value just because. Every one of you has value just because. Just because. Because God loves you and sees you. So precious. And yet it's so hard for us to believe that. 
to really believe that to the point where it goes deep into our soul and our heart and our mind and it sets us free from all the lies and all the voices and all the stuff that screams at us that we have no value, that we're not good enough so I am a child of God you are a child of God you have been adopted you have been grafted in and you have a relationship with a good, good father is he a good, good father? oh you bet he is you bet he is and don't even compare him to your earthly father because honestly I don't care how good your earthly father was there is no comparison there is no comparison because your earthly father was human so your earthly father loved you but there was condition because as humans it's really hard for us to love without condition but God puts no condition on you he loves you just because he loves you just because and he doesn't have any condition he doesn't have any expectations of us do you know you cannot disappoint God because what is disappointment based on It's based on expectation that you're going to do something. Does God already know everything that you're going to do before you do it? So how could he possibly be disappointed? Oops, I didn't do that. God's like, yeah, I knew that a long time ago. In fact, I wrote the book of your life, and I wrote that in there. Oh, they weren't going to do that. Seriously. It says in Psalm 139 that he wrote the book of your life all the days of your life before you even were. So it is impossible to disappoint God. It is impossible to fail God. Because all of those things are based on an expectation of an unknown. You see that? So that's something to wrap your mind around. So God loves you, why? Just because. Say that to yourself every day. God loves me just because. It makes me feel good. Like, well, yeah, he loves me just because. You know, it makes me just for a moment feel precious and pretty and okay in my skin because God loves me just because so I am a child of God I am a daughter of the king I am a princess just like Anne Hathaway was I am a princess and now God's molding me into the fullness of my princesshood you know and so how fun is that how fun is that um and then, within the concept of this adoption, being adopted into this family, being chosen, now we have this new family, right? We have this new family. Now, Jesus made a great statement about this because one of the things that I think we get caught up in is we get too caught up in our earthly family. Okay? And so how many of you have unsaved family members? Mm, a lot of you. And how many of your family members really drag on you? They're calling you. They're telling you you're crazy. They're, like, wanting you to do family things. It's all, you know, like I hear people, i got to go for Thanksgiving with the family. And I'm like thinking, wow. Okay. So what did Jesus say about family when his mother and his brothers and his sisters were at the door? Now, this is before they recognized him as the Messiah. Okay. So what did they think about Jesus at this point? A lot of people, a lot of commentators would say they thought he was kind of crazy. Like they were like, what is Jesus doing? Like, we got to go get him. Maybe he needs some bipolar medication. I don't know. You know, I mean, like, they, they were like, I don't know. What's wrong with him? You know, they, they thought he was kind of crazy, okay? And not to say anything against bipolar, I'm sorry. Always have to be careful of those things because I have very dear friends who are bipolar, and it is a, 
clinical thing. And so, you know, and I want people that are bipolar to take their medication. It's very important. But, but you know, they, they didn't know what to think about him. They were like, what's he doing? Like, has he gone mad? What's he doing in there? Like, you know, because they didn't understand yet who he was. Okay? So they're knocking on the door. And they're saying, we're here, and we, we need to talk to our, you know, I need to talk to my son. Like, get him out of here. And so they're like, oh, Jesus, you know, your mom and your brothers and sisters, they're at the door, and they really want to talk to you. And what did he say? Who is my mother and my brothers and my sisters, but those who speak it out, those who do the will of God. And then did he go talk to them? No, he did not. Now, was that disrespectful towards his mother? But you know what? It wasn't disrespectful towards her because she wasn't his family because she didn't know who he was yet. His family were the people in front of him who were getting saved. He was adopting people, and he was building a family. Do you see what I mean? So we need to be really careful with our earthly family that we don't let them into our circle to the point where they become like this place of devastation in our lives. And we get so caught up in our earthly family, you know, and the things that, that they tell us we have to do and not do, and so we go, oh, well, but it's my mom and dad, or oh, it's my brother. Well, if they don't know the Lord, then the Bible teaches that they are no longer your family. And this is a hard concept. And I'm sorry, some of you might be really offended by this, but I'm not telling you this. This is what the Bible says. It's what Jesus said very clearly. Who is my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, but those who do the will of God, period. We never even hear about Jesus' dad, Joseph, do we, after the birth, ever again? Did you ever hear Joseph anywhere else in the Bible? No. Never hear about him again. Because Jesus, God, God didn't want people confusing Joseph's dad, or Jesus' dad, with him. Because he was truly Jesus' father. Do you see? So be very careful with your unsaved family. Because they have not been adopted into this family yet. And so they are actually no longer your family. You have an obligation to share the gospel with them and to love them and to treat them like any other unsaved person. But you don't have an obligation to them that like grips you and takes over and causes all sorts of problems in your life. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I counsel, and it's all about their unsaved family, and I'm like, quit talking to them on the phone then. Quit going over to their house. Like, just be done. Be done. Tell them you love them, but you love Jesus more. Because you got to love Jesus more than you love them. Amen? You know? I mean, the whole point of your unsaved family is to share the Lord with them. And if there's not an opportunity to do that, then you really don't need to have a particularly a relationship with them. I had an older brother who's 10 years older than me, and he, um, he was just not interested in the things of God. When my parents, when they were younger, my parents forced them to go to church. It was all religion. And when he turned 18, he said, I'm never going to a church again. Never did. And um, really nice guy, not hateful towards the Lord, and we had a good relationship. But my point in continuing a relationship with him is that I wanted him to get saved. And my husband and I both felt that way. And when we got saved, my family was kind of like, you guys are no fun anymore. Like, you used to be the life of the party, and now you're like all this Christian stuff. 
And, you know, my brothers would be like, we don't want them to come to Thanksgiving. They just throw a wet cloth on things. And we would never do anything. We usually didn't even talk about Jesus while we were there, you know. But it was like a wet blanket, like, you know. And, and it was because they were convicted because the light of Christ in us, you know. But anyhow, so then one time we were over visiting my brother at his house. And we, we would, every time we would go through Arizona, we'd go by and we'd have dinner with them. And we were always looking for opportunities to just maybe get a word in, you know. And he would ask us, how are you doing? And, of course, my husband was a pastor at the time. So our whole life was consumed with Jesus. So if you ask us what we're doing or how we're doing, it's going to end up being about that because that's all our life was. And then the next thing you know, he's offended because we talked about Jesus. Even though we asked us, what are you doing? You know, how's life? Okay, I'm not getting this. So one day we went to his house to have dinner with him. And we come in and he says, okay, uh, Linda and I have to have a talk with you guys. And we're like, okay. So we sit down. And he goes, okay, so here's the thing. You know, we want you to come over. We want to see you when you come through and have dinner with you. But we don't want you to talk about any of your religious stuff at all. Like we just, we don't want that in our house. Okay? So I'm thinking, well, what are we going to talk about then? Like the weather, uh, the, the newest, the, I mean, like, what are we going to talk about that has any value? I don't, you know, and I'm just kind of sitting there puzzling, thinking, okay, but you're not saved. And, and the whole point of a relationship with you right now is for that. And then my husband, amazingly, just looked at him with all this love, and he said, you know what? He said, I respect that. And he said, but I also need you to realize that we probably won't be coming to see you anymore then. Because what you're asking us to do is to not be who we are. And yet you want us to receive who you are. And that's not fair. I mean, that's not, like, that's not a relationship. So we love you. And when you're ready to have us again and you'll allow us to be who we are, we'll come see you. And we left. And we didn't see my brother for several years. And whenever I would talk to him, he would do all the talking so that I couldn't talk about anything. And then he would say, okay, bye. You know. Like, never give me a chance to put a word in edgewise because he didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. And then right before my brother died, he called us one day, and he said, hey, you guys going to be coming through Arizona? And we said, yeah. He said, why don't you come on over? And I was like, cool. You know? Because now, not through anything we did, not through trying to force anything, but just praying for him and being genuine about how we felt. And then over time, he realized that we were right. And he began to then be interested in hearing more about this Jesus. You see what I mean? And that's what was the most important thing. Not that he's my brother, you know, but that he gets saved. So be careful with those people who are not children of God, okay? Um, so this is, this is such great news, isn't it? Um, and that, that verse about... Who is my mother, my brother, my sister, in case somebody wants to write down is Matthew 12, 46 through 50. Um, so if you're ever wondering where that particular verse is, that's where you would find that. And, you know, my feeling is if there's even just one verse in the Bible about it, that's enough for me. Like some people will say, well, that's the only verse, you know. And there are other things, not with that one in particular, but sometimes, you know, people get stuck on, well, there's only one verse. Okay, but it's God's word. So if it even says it once, do you think that it's of enough value? Yeah, I'd say so. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You ever seen that bumper sticker? That's an old bumper sticker. <laughs> so, so the good news about this is, again, that as we really begin to consider that we are children of God, 
and what that means for us. The other thing that it means is that he takes care of us. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will provide all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God takes care of us now that we're in his family. He completely takes care of us. He says, I will provide everything. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. Right? God will take care of us. We know what it says in Matthew 6. You know, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. I'm your father. I'm your daddy. And I'm going to take care of you. Have any of you ever been starving? Have any of you been without? No. And even if you were, it's okay. We go to Africa and minister to people that are poorer than anything I've ever seen in my life. If they even get one meal a day, and it's usually just beans and rice, they're excited. And you know what? Those people have a love for God that far exceeds ours because they don't have anything else. They are so excited and passionate about Jesus, they put me to shame. Every time I go there and I speak, I think, I shouldn't be speaking to you. You should be speaking to me because you know how to love God because you don't have anything in the way. You know what it means to be a child of God, to be adopted, and to know where your home is because that's all you have, and you can hardly wait. And that's the kind of passion we need to have. So today, believe it, you are a child of God. You are a daughter of God. You are adopted. He sees you as beautiful. He sees you as wonderful. The scripture says that he keeps every tear that you cry in a bottle. Do you know how intimate that is? Any of you have kids? Remember when your kids would cry and you'd catch their tear? You were like so, you know, and you want their tears? God catches every tear and he puts it in a bottle. Why? Because he says to us, I remembered I remembered all those times when you hurt and you cried, and I was there with you. I caught your tears. This is our Father. He numbers every hair on your head. Do you know what the difference is between count and number? Numbered means that he keeps track of everything from the moment you were born. This is hair number 5,642. This is hair number 10,200. You know what I mean? That's what the word numbered means. That's how intimate. Every time your hair comes out in your hairbrush, every one of those hairs has a number. God numbered them. That's an intimate, loving God that he even cares about that. The whole point is that that's how deeply and closely and intimately God loves us. We are the apple of his eye, it says. The apple of his eye. We are the center. He never takes his eye off of you. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you to pieces. He adores you. He keeps track of everything. And he's right there for you. And he says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And that is a promise. He's always right there. Always right there. Amen? So, again, the question then becomes, where do you struggle in believing that you are a daughter of God, that you are a child of God? Do you struggle with thinking, how could God really, like, do you ever say this? How could God really love me? I'm so stupid, or I'm so this, or, you know. Like, that's a lie, isn't it? And whose voice is that? It's the voice of the world, the voice of the enemy. Cast it away and hear the voice of God who says, I've loved you with an everlasting, never-changing perfect love and that nobody can separate you from the love that I have for you 
Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from God's love, not even ourselves. Not even ourselves. God loves me so much that it doesn't matter how messed up I get, how many stupid mistakes I make, whatever it is that I see them as, it doesn't change his love for me. It doesn't change his love for you. He absolutely adores you. He chose you and he adopted you into his family. And you are his precious daughter. And he wants you to see yourself through that. Through that eye, through that glass. It's like take off the world's glasses and put on your Jesus glasses. And let's see everything and everybody, including ourselves, through our Jesus glasses. Put on the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. So what are you? Who are you? You are the daughters of the God Most High. You are a princess in the kingdom of God. He's your king. And he's a good, good father. Amen? And you need to tell yourself that. You need to tell yourself that. You need to tell other people that. You know? You need to be excited about that. It's an amazing thing. Go through and find those kinds of verses and read them and make them precious to yourself. You know, verses like that he catches every tear and verses like that he has made you beautifully and wonderfully and verses like that he's adopted you and chosen you. I mean, those are the kind of verses that you need to be reading to lift yourself up into what's true and out of the mire of what's not true. So again, let's just take a minute. And I just want you to once again consider where you bought into lies about who you really are. Like, you know, and just thinking about that. Like, do you speak poorly about yourself? Do you get too entangled in this world accepting you? Because God says no. You're mine. I own you chose you, I love you, I adore you. That's the truth. Period. But you have to believe it. I can tell it to you. You can read it in the Bible. But until you believe it, it won't change anything. So believing from here down to here. What do they say? It's 12 inches from the head to the heart. But you got to get it into your heart. And the way that you do that is to begin to speak out again, once again. This is a huge way of growing and becoming an overcomer. Speak those things out. When I stand in front of the mirror and I want to tell myself I'm stupid and ugly, I go, no. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the king of all heaven and earth. And he loves me. And he is not happy when I say stuff like that. It makes him want to cry. And I want to put a smile on his face. Amen? And he wants to put a smile on your face, too, always. He definitely has a sense of humor. So just take a minute, just in a quiet moment, and just think about how loved you are. Just receive that.
and I was actually going to kind of combine these two, and I didn't do it because I had my other notes in front of me, but God knows. But not only are we adopted in and a child of God, but we are joint heirs with Christ. And that is really crazy to me because I go, I don't have any business being a joint heir with Christ. I mean, seriously? Like, he inherits everything, and because I've been adopted in, I inherit everything too. And yet Jesus paid it all, just like we sang, and all to him I owe. And yet God says, but that's okay, you still get to inherit everything that Jesus inherits. How crazy is that? I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And when I stand before the throne, God sees me equally with his son Jesus. That's crazy. That's crazy. Praise the Lord, huh? And what do I get in that inheritance? Wow. I mean, not only do I inherit now. You know, we need to remember that it's not just there. But when I get saved, I become an eternal being the moment I'm saved. I become an eternal being heading for heaven. And I get here and now the inheritance of Christ. And that inheritance of Christ here and now, it's like it says in Romans, that it's like we have nothing. We own nothing, but we possess everything. You know? That we have the inheritance now of Christ. And so now, today, I can grab a hold of those things, that peace and that joy and that confidence of my future and of my inheritance. It says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit as a mark of our inheritance. You know? So how cool is that? And nobody can take that inheritance from us. I'm not going to rewrite the will. Praise the Lord. You know, the family's not going to fight over it. Praise the Lord. Jesus is not going to fight over it. Jesus is totally fine with us being co-heirs with him. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, God created us so he could have us in his kingdom and have fellowship and family. And, you know, this might sound kind of interesting or weird or whatever, but Jesus has friends. We are friends of Jesus. And I think Jesus likes having friends. Do you like having friends? Yeah. Well, Jesus likes having friends too. What a friend we have in Jesus. And he says the same thing about us. That's crazy. What a friend I have in Teresa. You know? What a friend he has. And I want to be that kind of friend for Jesus. You know? What a great and wonderful God we serve. And our inheritance is never going to fade away. It's not going to spoil. It's not going to rust. It's not like the inheritance here. You know? It's an inheritance of perfection and beauty forever and ever and ever. Yay! Can we say yay? yay. Woohoo! Amen. Amen. All of the riches of Christ, all of the riches of God at Christ's expense. That's what we inherit. That's pretty crazy. So, again, let's see things from God's perspective. We are rich in Christ. How many of you are rich in this world? Probably nobody, right? <laughs> kind of like, eh. You know, I do better than some. You know, or right now I'm out of a job, so I'm not rich at all. But you know what? Who cares? Because I am rich in Christ. 
I'm really wealthy in the kingdom of God forever and ever. So I want to look at things from that perspective. It's all good. It's all good. And living by faith. Living by faith is fun. When my husband and I went out in the mission field, we said, you know what, we're going to do this. And God tells us that he'll provide all of our needs. So we are not going to strive over this. And if the money doesn't come, then we won't go. And if the money comes, we'll go. And you know, for almost 10 years now, we have never been without. And whenever God has called us, he has always provided. To the point where I don't even think about money anymore. It's crazy. I used to worry about money all the time. Got to figure out my accounts every day. And oh my gosh. Now it's like I go, oh, I guess I should check the accounts. It's been a few weeks and see what kind of money's in there and what's, you know, like I don't worry about it anymore because living by faith, God says, he says, and he means it, but we got to believe it. Quit worrying. What is worry? Oh, a sin. That's right. So don't justify your worry and think you have the right to worry. Stop worrying. Believe God. Amen? There's a line in a song I'm going to sing in a while, but I love it. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. We put borders on everything because we live in a finite time place. And God says, get rid of the borders, the boundaries. Let's get out in the deep and let's have fun. and Let's be adventurous. Amen? All right, now, and you know, we strive about our inheritance here. One last thing, and be careful about that. You know, we're all worried about our 401K and our retirement plan and our health insurance. And you know what? Um, can you show me a chapter and a verse on any of those things? Those are world's cultural things. You know that. My husband and I haven't had medical insurance for a long time, and I don't necessarily recommend that. But if you're all worried about it, maybe you should take a step back. And consider that when you're worried about that, that's because you don't believe that God will take care of you. Now, we didn't have insurance when my husband got hit by a car. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. God provided just like that. We didn't even have to blink an eye. God came in and provided for all of it. It's crazy. So don't put your trust in your 401k. Because the way things are going right now, it might disappear. You might wake up one morning and the news will say, well, the government just took everyone's 401ks and all of you have no money left. You know? Like, so if you're putting your trust in that inheritance, you're in trouble. You know? And a retirement? Okay, who retires from serving the Lord? You know, I've served the Lord for 20 years. Now I'm going to retire. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. You know? So let, let's not worry about the retirement. Let's just keep trusting the Lord and moving forward, you know, and being adventurous, you know. Down in Mexico, it's really inexpensive to live, really inexpensive to live. So if you don't have a lot, do something wild. Move to Mexico. You can live on literally like a third of what you live on here probably, and you have a good, nice, relaxed, laid-back life. You know, it's like think outside the box, you know. Wow, have fun. Be adventurous. <laughs> yeah, God is an adventurous God. And I want to end finally with this particular subject, okay? So who I am, I'm a child or a daughter of God, and I'm a co-heir with Christ. Hallelujah. And I am also chosen and called. I am chosen and called. 
And although they are different, they go together always. Because God chooses me and adopts me into his kingdom, and then as a result of his choosing, he calls me. He calls me to a purpose. It says in Ephesians that we are God's workmanship, or his masterpiece, or his actually the word there is poema, which is a poem. We are God's poem, and he wants us to walk in the things that he has prepared for us to walk in. That's our purpose. And every single one of us is called and has a purpose. Now, there are general purposes, okay? And those general purposes are biblical purposes that all of us fall under. We are salt, okay? We are salt. What does salt do? It can purify or preserve. It adds flavor, okay? So we get to add flavor to the world. I think that's kind of fun, okay? So let's be Christians that add flavor, okay? But also, salt was used to preserve life. Duh. Christians get to preserve life. It's one of our purposes, is that we bring that salt to people. It heals, salt heals wounds. So God uses us to heal the wounds of people who are hurting. So it's cool when you think about that. You know, God, none of those things are by chance. God specifically says those things because they have little meanings in how they are presented. We are light. And it doesn't say you will be the light if you work hard enough and you serve me good enough. And it says you are the light of the world. The moment you are saved, you are the light of the world. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And so it's not my light. It's the light of the Spirit shining out of me. So I just need to be that clay vessel that allows the Spirit to shine out of me. And I am the light of the world. People see that you're different. Maybe sometimes you don't feel like you are, and maybe sometimes you don't see it, but people see it. If you're walking forward in your relationship with the Lord, people see it. You are the light of the world. And we know that light shines on the darkness, and some darkness hates it. Some people run to the light. Other people run away from the light. That's not our job. It's not our worry. We just need to be the light. And that just means available. God, I am available. Use me however you want. I am available. It's that idea of I surrender all. Just avail yourself. Say, okay, God, I'm going to go out today, and I have a schedule of things I want to get done, but what do you want me to do today? And then when God says, I want you to go over to that lady sitting on the bench, and I want you to sit down next to her and ask her if you can pray for her. And you go, oh, well, I don't have time. Sorry. <laughs> no. Those are the kind of things we need to be learning to listen for because God doesn't care about your schedule, I hate to tell you. He cares about the people around you. Every single one of you has a circle of influence in your life, right? God has put you in that circle of influence specifically to be light and salt, to be his vessel, to be available, to be his voice, to be his hands, to be his feet. That's your responsibility. Not to fix them, not to change them, not to save them. You can't do that. But that's your responsibility that God has called you to, and then God does the rest. We just need to avail ourselves. Do you understand that? Just avail ourselves and let God do what he wants to do and bring about what he wants to bring about. And it's actually really fun, you know. And I don't want to show of hands, but I say this to you. When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? If you can't remember or if you say, I've never shared my faith with somebody, wow, you know what? Go do it. It's really fun. It's not scary. You don't have to be a theologian. You've got enough right the way you are. Love, truth, grace, mercy. You have more than enough to 
to share the love of God with somebody. The minute you're saved, you have more than enough. The wisdom of God, the foolishness of God, is actually greater than the wisdom of man. The minute we're saved, we are wiser than any wise man on this whole earth that's not saved. Do you understand that? Because we now have the wisdom of God dwelling in us. So pray and ask the Lord to give you an opportunity and then be obedient. It is fun. And I think right now in the time that we're living in, people are looking desperately for truth and for peace and for understanding. And we have the answer. The answer is Jesus. And that doesn't mean you have to get in their face and go, okay, here's the Romans road. And You know what? Just love people. Just love people. Share your own testimonies because that's why you have your testimony. And just encourage people. You know, people are desperate right now because we live so isolated. You know, somebody just wants somebody to say something nice to them. Here's one. Like, we go out, like we'll go out somewhere. And you know, like as women, you know, you're going to go out to dinner. So you get all dressed up, put on your new dress, put on your makeup, all your jewelry. You go out, you eat for two hours and come home and take it all off and not a single person said anything about how nice you looked and you worked so hard at it. I feel that way. I'm like, gosh, that's disappointing. I wore my new dress tonight and nobody even noticed. No one cares, you know. So I love to do that. Like I'm out and I see somebody walking by and she's got a pretty dress on. Hey, I love that dress. That's a great color on you. Oh, my gosh, they just light up. Why, thank you. You know, like just encouraging and loving people, that in itself can plant seeds. Do you understand that? Because then God takes that moment, and he says, see, someone cares about you. Someone loves you. And that, you know, and praying for people is a huge way to go out and love people. It's a huge and very easy (coughs) avenue. How many times you go out in a day and you see people around you, you can tell they're hurting. Hey, you look like you're kind of down today. Could I pray for you? I've done that so many times and I have never once had somebody say no. I have never once had somebody get angry at me. Never. And I know other people that have done the same. Your first thought is, oh, they're going to go, ah! No. Most people go, oh, well, yeah. That would be great. And then, you know what you do? You pray for them right then and there. Yeah. And they're like, like you put your hand on their shoulder. And then you pray for them and they're doing this. <laughs> and you're praying for them. But you know how many times I've done that and then when I'm done praying, they're crying. And they go, I've never heard anybody talk to God like that. And they're like, thank you, you know? And you know what? They are going to remember that transaction the rest of their lives, I guarantee you. And God is going to take that, and he is going to run with it, and he's going to have an opportunity to change their life. That's all it means to be available and be a vessel. It doesn't mean you've got to go out and preach the gospel. It means you've got to love people and be willing to encourage them and be available and then let God do what God does, which is save people and change their lives. Amen? It's so easy. So get out and do it because it is fun and exciting. There is nothing more exciting than getting an opportunity to plant seeds and even beyond that to actually lead somebody to the Lord. Whoa, that is like the most exciting thing there is. And I've only been able to do that a few times, but I know I've planted a lot of seeds, you know, and I'm blessed. So go plant seeds. God's chosen you. 
He's adopted in you into his kingdom. He loves and adores you. He's so excited about you. And he wants to use you. He wants to have fun with you. He doesn't need any of us. You know that, don't you? God could save the whole world without a single one of us being there. He doesn't need us, but he wants us to have the privilege of participating. So get out there and participate. Get out there and participate. He's called you for a purpose, and that's really it. We have a general calling to be salt, to be light, to be his vessel, to be his voice. And then you all have specific callings, and I'm not going to get into that today. But you know what? If you want to know what the will of God is for you and your calling, usually it's the thing that you're naturally already doing. Like you naturally like to encourage people, or you naturally like to decorate, or you naturally like to serve, or you naturally love kids, or you know what I mean? It's going to be something that comes to you and you're comfortable with it and you like that. And that's going to be where you're going to find those areas where you're called to do things in the body of Christ, to be your, do your part in the body. Okay? So let those things naturally happen and find them. And if you're not sure, ask people. You know, because sometimes we're the last ones to recognize it. You're like, what do you see as my calling? You know, and they, well, I think you have the gift of encouragement. And you're like, really? You know, but, you know, so ask people. Like, they can help you to find your way if you need to. But in the end of all of it, we're going to end with this. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18 says this. And these are verses that all of you should be memorizing. This one especially, because this is the verse of freedom in my mind. Like, woo. Okay. Because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to know the will of God? You're always going, what's the will of God for me? Okay, well, here it is. You ready? It's this simple. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. Now, I want you to think about this. God made each one of those their own verse. That's how important it is. Verse 16, rejoice always. That's all that verse says. And always means always in the Greek and in the Hebrew, by the way. Doesn't mean sometimes, but all the time. Have a spirit of joy and rejoicing, a confident expectation that God is there and he will work. That's what joy is. Pray without ceasing. You all know what this means. It means to be plugged into the one that you get the power and the wisdom and the directive from. You know, if I have a lamp sitting on the floor but I don't have it plugged in, it's useless. Plug it in. So pray without ceasing. It's the idea of being constantly connected with God. That my first reaction in every situation, my first response in every situation is, God, what should I do? God, what should I say? Because if I react, it's because I didn't ask God. So I just go, blah. But if I respond, it's because I stepped back for a minute and I said, okay, I'm hidden in Christ. What do you want me to do? So learn to respond instead of react. Pray without ceasing. And then finally, verse 16, 17, 18. In everything, do what? In everything, do what? And guess what the word everything means in the Greek and the Hebrew? Everything. 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 Whether you think it's good or you think it's bad, give thanks. Because in God's economy, there's no such thing as bad. He uses everything for good. My husband got hit by a car. It's terrible. No, the first thing my husband said was, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm your vessel, so let's do it. Hmm. It's good. It's all good. God is working out things that we can't even begin to understand. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. And then it ends with this. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus.
If you did those three things every day, do you think your life would change radically? Oh, yeah. Do you think you would be a light and salt? Oh, yeah. So that is my goal. I constantly go, okay, Lord, today I want to rejoice, give thanks, and be in prayer. And I want to go out empowered in that so that I can do your will. And some days I'm there, like, yeah. And some days I miss the mark. And that's okay. Because God says, it's all right. Let's just keep moving. Do it again. Let's get out there. Amen? And that's where freedom is. Free to be. Free to be who you are, right where you are, just the way you are, and to know with absolute confidence that you are loved, you are adored, you are called, you have a purpose, and you have a future home with an incredible family. Life couldn't get any better, could it? Life could not get any better. If you are a Christian, life could not get any better. And yeah, you've got hardships. We've all got hardships. But rejoice always and give thanks and pray. Amen? Anybody have anything they want to share? Any last thoughts? Any verses? So did you all gain something from this? Yes? Yes, please. Oh, gosh. No. Sure. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you. It's taken a long time to get there, believe me. And I'm a long way away from there, believe me. But, you know, it has been fun, though. I think just in the last year, my husband and I have really come into this place where we just are like, God, whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want, we just don't care anymore. And it's really nice. I have never been so just free and happy. And I just am loving life right now. It's awesome. So, mm-hmm. Because that's a beautiful testimony, because that's exactly it. God used you in a moment, and it was such a little simple thing, but the impact that it has. When you go into a restaurant, be nice to those people who wait on you. Ask them their name. Ask them how they are. It's like, that's huge, you know? Like, care about people around you. Care about people around you. And it's just a beautiful thing, you know? Just to be free, just to be a Christian. To be free to be a Christian and to be proud of being a Christian. Yeah. Um, I just spent a couple weeks in Hawaii, but uh, one of the things that the Lord did in my life was I have always waited to do something big for the Lord. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Being a missionary is a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. In my eyes it was. Being a pastor's wife, yes, that's a big thing. Being whatever, that, that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Amen. And I will say amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm anything spectacular at all because I'm a missionary. I mean, I, it just happens to be where God has put me and my husband. 
But you guys are just as much missionaries, and the things you do are just as important, and in many ways even more at times. I mean, like, gosh, you know? So, yeah, you know, like, you all have the same kind of opportunities, and it's all beautiful, and I love it. So let's pray. And then I know Teresa's got some things she wants to do. (laughs) Lord, we thank you so much again for this beautiful time and for your word. And I thank you for these ladies. And I just thank you for just as I can see them connecting. And um, thank you for all that you did today, all that you spoke to us today about. Thank you for your word, Lord. What would we do without it, Father God? Thank you for your spirit. What would we do without him? And um, Lord, help us. Help us to get out of our box. Help us to get out of our bubble. Help us to look out and to realize that you just want us to be available, to be that light, to be that salt. Lord, just to be free in you, just to love that we are yours, and just to love that we get to be yours and to be used by you, and just to be able to be genuine um, in who we are right now, where we are today, and to know that you love and adore us with a love that we can't even comprehend. And um, so we thank you that you are such a good, good father. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. What would you like to do? Because I've got some more songs I could do, or I whatever you want. I mean, I've just got songs. Okay. I have a few scriptures if I want to go in between, and then yeah. I'll just have you sing a few songs, and I'll yes. do a few scriptures, and I'll go from there. I have a question that came up that I wrote down in my notes while Brooke was sharing the very last verse in First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. How many of you question even to this day or even in the past, I don't know God's will? You guys never have to question that ever, ever, ever again. Because it says it right here, isn't it? And it says in his word, every, every word of God proves true, right? Every word of God. And it says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God. What is his will? This is his will that we do this very thing. And we get caught up in the world. We get caught up in our emotions. We get caught up in our past. All the things that we talked about today, we get caught up in because we get our focus off of who Jesus Christ is. And Believe me, I, I've been a Christian since 1977. Don't do the math, but it's been a long time. And no, I'm not 80. <laughs> okay? But what I've learned, and, and I, I have a testimony. I have a testimony. But it's because of that very testimony, that very life that I walked through, that in the midst of it, I've rejoiced. In the midst of it, I have prayed. Like I got, I got little calluses on my knees, honestly, because God's done such an amazing, transforming work in my life, only because of Him, not because of me, not because of who I am, even. Even though I know I'm, I'm a daughter. <laughs> I've been adopted. God's called me into his family, and I've said yes freely. And if any of you here has never given your life to him, don't delay. It's between you and him. I'm not going to make you come up here. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But you've been given the true word of God, 
and he loves you. He's called you for a purpose, and he wants your whole heart. Your whole heart. So we're going to sing a song of worship.